Welcome to the Mission Driven Mom podcast. This podcast is for moms just like you who want to learn how to glorify God through finding and embracing true principles, discovering and developing your greatest gifts, and using them to serve your family and community. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Audrey Rinlisbacher, author of The Mission Driven Life and founder of The Mission Driven Mom. Super excited to be with you here today. This podcast is growing thanks to you. Thanks for sharing it out and giving reviews and letting others know about what we're doing at The Mission Driven Mom as we strive to build mission-driven mothers and families. We're going to start a series that I'm super excited about. Last year I did a podcast on the seven laws of life mission and it was just a really quick like 30 or 40 minute let, let's just hurry and get through these seven laws. Well, we didn't get to take the time to really go through it in depth. And so this year, at least once a month, I'm going to do a podcast on one of the laws and the principles that corresponds with that law. And so today we get to start with law one, principle one. So law one is to love God and establish a divine center in your life. So that's what we're trying to do is be centered in God and not in anything else. And we'll spend a little bit of time with Stephen Covey today who talked about this in depth. But I wanted to start by telling you um, what a profound impact this had on one of my daughters. Now, of course, it's had a profound impact on me and on my family. And it's been something that has been a major focus at our house. But one particular daughter was struggling and struggling and struggling. And she um, was unhappy a lot. She was engaged in behavior she wasn't proud of. Uh, we were worried about her. She was worried about herself. <laughs> and it's, um, life was just much more of a struggle than it really needed to be. She was um, often depressed and overwhelmed and um, anxious and those kinds of things. And at one point, she kind of hit a wall and she decided to contact a woman who she really respected. She had nannied for her actually um, in another country. And she contacted this woman and said, tell me what like some of your favorite books are, like the most important books to you. And this woman said, well, aside from scripture, I would say the book that had the greatest impact on me is The Divine Center by Stephen Covey. My daughter didn't even know this book existed. And she really wanted to have some change in her life, so she ordered a copy of this book. She got busy reading it to her credit. She really was trying to find some answers in her life. And Stephen Covey said many things that eventually made their way into Seven Habits, especially around centers. But one of the things that he does a little more in depth in this other book is go into the implications of different centers on different areas of your life. And for whatever reason, this was just the right book at the right time in this daughter's life. And I'll never forget one day we were riding in the car together somewhere. And she turned to me and said, I know why I've been so unhappy. And I was like, wow, really? What, what have you discovered? And she said, I figured out that I'm friend-centered. And it was quiet in the car for just a minute as I kind of let that sink in. And I had never really thought about it in those terms, and neither had she. But she had been reading through 
this book and she had seen herself in experiencing so many of the outcomes that Covey talked about when you're friend-centered. And he has a little chart where he talks about areas of your life like God, spouse, family, church, work, leaders or heroes, uh, yourself, your fun, your possessions, your enemies. And so many of the words that he listed there were just part of her reality. For example, in relationship to like for example family it said that your perception of your family is that they're the source of need satisfaction or dissatisfaction and that was really true i'd never thought about it that way but she didn't really feel like she needed to give and take those weren't real her her relationships with her family weren't real friendships they're It wasn't something that was going to cost her anything. It was just a place where she could go and get her needs met or she would back away if she didn't like what we were doing or how we weren't meeting her needs. And the reaction to the family is anger, resentment, accusation toward interfering family members or interfering in their activities. And talks a lot about how, for example, church becomes a social gathering or a social barrier And the reaction is that it's an interference, a waste of time, or of no importance. Uh, With your heroes, you see possible competition and view them with jealousy mixed with admiration, which was very fascinating because she kind of had this love-hate relationship with other professional singers because she wanted to go into music. And she couldn't just be happy for their success and have a normal relationship with them. And the reaction was frustration, venting anger, Um, common Emmy she'd get with her friends and badmouth these other singers Uh, with her friends it was interesting because it was her highest aspiration and it was crucial to be in but her reaction was being wiped out depressed confused and disoriented and all through the rest of these with you know enemies or possessions or fun and pleasure there's all these same words again frustration depression confusion and security and those were her dominant feelings at the time and it just really really resonated with her and it's just so critical that we have this divine center to draw our worth from, to give us a solid foundation and to give us strength and direction. So I want to spend a few minutes talking about some of these aspects of having a divine center and spend a few minutes with you on principle one, which is prayer. And that's our first step toward really recentering ourselves in God. So in the seven habits, Stephen Covey gives us a brief kind of definition of what a center is. He says there's four aspects of a center. One is security, the second is guidance, third is wisdom, and the fourth is power. So this is something that you can definitely break out your seven habits. It's definitely worth going through this whole section again on centers. Very worth teaching your family and spending some time on. But I'll just give you some really brief synopsis. Security is your sense of worth, your identity, your emotional anchorage, your self-esteem, and your lack of personal strength, um, or your amount of personal strength. And so when we have the wrong center, we're lacking security. And when we have God as a center, then we have all the security we could ever need. He says it's a spectrum between insecurity and a deep sense of worth getting up in the morning and feeling like you matter 
and your life is important and you're going to do something valuable in the world because you have this really strong security right at your core. The second aspect is guidance. This is your sense of direction. It's your interpretation of life. It's the maps that guide you through life, your perceptions and your paradigms. It's these, um, these standards and these perceptions that govern your moment by moment decision making. And so this is how you know what to do when you get up in the morning, where you're going to go, how you're going to make decisions and what you're going to make of your life. That's your guidance. And this is a spectrum between dependence on the social mirror or a strong inner direction. I really got some insight into this recently. My husband and I were on a little trip and at night we were tired and turned the TV on just to see if there was something interesting. And my husband loves those like makeover shows. He's into real estate and building. And there was this one, it was house hunters. He was in real estate forever. So those were always fascinating to him. So there's this couple looking for a house to buy. And it was the most fascinating thing because this girl, this woman, every single house she saw, all she could say was, it won't look good on my social feed. And she meant it. Like, I think she felt like she, maybe she had some following. Maybe that was a little bit kind of part of her business that she did or whatever, but she had no personal reference point. Like I like this, this meets our family's needs. This is the vision that I've held for myself. This is in line with my values price wise or size wise or whatever it was. There was no reference point to anything beyond what the world would think about the house that she was buying. And to the degree that we're totally guided by society and by what's out there, what's external, then we, our guidance system is always going to be affected by the people around us instead of having a strong inner direction. Wisdom is our perspective on life, our understanding of the various parts and principles and how they relate to each other. He says it embraces judgment, discernment, and comprehension. So it's our ability to take the things that we know to be true or think are true and put them into a comprehensive whole and make wise decisions. So this spectrum would look like the, in the accuracy or the inaccuracy of our view of ourselves, others, and life. So this can be accurate um, or inaccurate, distorted, or on the other side of the spectrum, we have a clear understanding of true principles and how they relate to each other of our own, um, of how the world really works. This is really having a really clear, correct map and an understanding of truth and principles. And our power is our ability to act on the security, the guidance, and the wisdom that we've gained. And so this is the strength and potency we have to accomplish something, the vital energy we have to make decisions, and most important, well, not most importantly, but in addition, our ability to overcome deeply embedded habits. And I'm excited for when we talk about principle three in law one, I have a couple cool stories to tell you about that one. So. The spectrum here on our power would either be we're immobilized and we're a puppet to others, or we have this high productivity and we can always act in harmony with our deepest values, virtues, and principles. So we can hone in on great security, guidance, wisdom, and power through our closeness to God. That's what we do is 
we seek him out, we develop a relationship with him, we put him first, and as he becomes more and more the center of our lives, we have greater security, clearer guidance, deeper wisdom, and increased power to know what we're about, know why we're here, know our worth, know what we're supposed to do, know how to put that in line with truth, and have the ability and the power to act on what we know to be true. So I would encourage you to go look through seven habits, look at the different centers that Covey talks about. Of course, he is focusing really heavily in this book on being principle-centered. That, of course, is pretty much like being God-centered because those laws and principles come from God. I want to give you some cool quotes of his. This is from Seven Habits. The principles don't change. Our understanding of them does. The only real limitation of power is the natural consequences of the principles themselves. These principles apply to everyone, whether or not they are aware. This limitation is universal. The more we know of correct principles, the greater our personal freedom to act wisely. And this last one, by centering our lives on timeless, unchanging principles, we create a fundamental paradigm of effective living. It is the center that puts all the other centers in perspective. Now, the thing that's cool, of course, we're all about principles at, at the Mission Driven Mom. And of course, I really want you, God really wants you to be principle-centered. But having a divine center goes beyond a principle center because when we are God-centered, it's about a relationship. And it's about seeing God as a father who loves us and cares for us and drawing worth from our real intrinsic value as his son or daughter. And because of that relationship, we can yoke ourselves to him. We can have him carry the burden. He can lift us and buoy us up and hold our hand and be with us in a way that, you know, kind of intangible, cold laws and principles cannot. And that's why there's a greater richness and a much greater value to being God-centered than just principle-centered. But if people need to start with principles and natural law, you know, we'll take it. People's willingness to be submissive to anything outside of their own emotions and their own thoughts is really uh, the most important place to start. So definitely principles is absolutely key. But the what we're really going for here is a relationship with a father who cares about us and who can help us to stay centered, who we can turn to and draw strength from. So I want to spend a few minutes talking about this first principle of prayer. And I'm just going to give you some thoughts, some of the things that I do to help make my prayers effective, the practices that I've used that have been of great benefit to me and things that I've drawn from scripture and from others um, in my education and, and throughout my life. I've written down four purposes for prayer. This is not meant to be a comprehensive list, of course, but these are four really critical elements of prayer that I think everyone should have in the back of their minds and be working toward they help motivate our desire to pray and they kind of clean up ineffective praying methods, if that makes sense. And I do want to just mention as a side note, prayer and meditation are not the same thing. Uh, there are many in the world trying to replace prayer with meditation and saying that it's just as valuable. 
there are actually three different aspects at play. There's prayer, there's meditation, and there's visualization. These are all powerful principles. These are all true principles. They can be used in conjunction with one another and they can be used separately. Some people who talk about meditation encourage you to visualize while you meditate. Others encourage you to just empty your mind. Um, I, in the academy, we spent a little bit of time with James Allen and he wrote about meditation and he talked about it as being far more in line with what we would consider prayer because it's hard work. So I'm talking specifically about prayer. Visualization can be used in conjunction with prayer. I think it's much more powerful if you do that. And meditation in terms of relaxing, calming, clearing the mind can also be an aspect of prayer. But prayer in and of itself as a standalone principle is the first principle in developing a divine center in our lives. And it is about a relationship. It's about a loving God who we are reaching out to and who we wish to connect with, who we wish to communicate with. And it's unique in that regard. We are seeking to be heard and we are seeking to hear. It is a two way relationship and we can do both. We can learn to become very adept. We're going to talk when we talk about uh, law one, principle three, we're going to talk about training the conscience and guilt and, and the role that they play in our ability to be submissive and willing to obey God. But for now, I just want to talk about the specific um, action of prayer itself and just some tools that will be helpful to you. But I just wanted to be clear about those distinctions because I don't want you to be confused. When people talk about those things, just be clear in your own mind that they're three different things and that they each have value um, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, for sure. They're all tools to help us accomplish things in life and make our life of value and meaningful and purposeful and mission-driven. But it starts with prayer. We're going to utilize prayer to reach out to a loving father who wants to help us gain greater security, guidance, wisdom, and power. So these four purposes in prayer, I think, can help be a guide to us. The first one is, and, and maybe the most important, especially when we're just kind of gaining confidence in prayer and learning to pray, is that we would need to feel God's love and know our worth. A woman taught me once that there's one prayer that we can always have answered immediately. Talk a lot about waiting upon God. He tells us to wait upon him and, and working with God often requires much patience, but there is one prayer that we can always say that will always be answered. It's been my experience that this is absolutely true in my life and the lives of my family and everyone I've taught it to. And that the prayer that you can always say is, are you there and do you love me? God wants us to know that he's there and that he loves us. And when that prayer is asked, with a sincere heart, with an honest heart, not with a desire to deceive, not with a hope that we won't be answered, but with real humility, which we'll talk about in just a minute. When we're really seeking him out and we really want to feel him and know that he's real and our minds and hearts are truly open to the truth, he will be with us. Now, that doesn't mean maybe the very second that you ask, but it's been my experience that when I need to know that he's there and that he loves me, 
He's always made himself known. Um, I feel, I feel loved. I feel valued. Uh, I feel that I'm not alone. And those are very difficult feelings to describe. It is something that you have to experience for yourself. I was, um, going through one of the books. I'm going to do a, a mission driven story on Dorothea Dix soon. And and just reading about her life and her commitment to God reminded me that in today's world, so many people want to, want to serve up an opinion about God and about prayer who have never actually humbly and truly and honestly experimented on, on God themselves. And they're certain that he's not there. They're certain that he's not real. And yet... Um, they have not ever truly approached him with an honest heart. There's one woman who's a very um, outspoken advocate of atheism who actually shares her whole story. She did a one-woman show for a long time, and, and she actually talks about having prayers answered and then turning to atheism, which is so fascinating to me. So the first and maybe most important purpose of prayer is to remember who we are as children of God to know that we're not alone. You know, everyone in our lives is going to come and go. Even the people that are dearest to us may very well die tomorrow. And I've had this experience. I've had several people very close to me die suddenly. We're really here alone in a sense. We need family and friends are very important to us. But when we know that we don't ever walk alone, because God is always there every day through everything, there's this sense of confidence, worth, value, security, and guidance that's just irreplaceable. So say that prayer. Reach out, kneel down with an honest heart, ask God if he's there and if he loves you, and he, he will answer. The second purpose for prayer is to learn God's will. Prayer is not about us convincing God that we're right, that we have it all figured out, and that he ought to comply. <laughs> it's actually the opposite of that. It's us learning what his will is and bringing our will in alignment with his. And this is really just humility. It's understanding that he's the one with the power and we're the one without the power and that we are asking for help. He doesn't owe us anything. He's already given us life. He's already given us the earth. He's already given us the ability to breathe and to grow and to learn and to change. And he doesn't owe us anything. We are asking to draw upon his power to have his companionship. And we have to know that he's the one with the answers and he's the one that knows how things ought to be. And so we're trying to figure out what his will is. And we're trying to get ourselves in line with his will. This is a lot like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or any, you know, addiction support program will talk about the first, you know, principle is to surrender to a higher power, to admit that you're powerless, to admit that you're weak, to admit that you need help, to put aside your pride. The first beatitude is blessed are the poor in spirit because God can't do anything with us until we're submissive, until we recognize our relationship with him that we're the weak one, and that we're the one needing help. He can't teach us anything because our pride's just going to keep getting in the way. So we want to know his will, and he's not going to tell us until 
he knows we're compliant. And then we're going to have to ask that he help us get ourselves, our hearts, our minds, and our lives in line with his will. The third purpose of prayer is to gain the strength to do his will. And we can ask for this. We can ask to know his will, and we can ask for the strength to do his will, to overcome deeply ingrained habits and attitudes that are in the way of our ability to do his will. And again, this, this is where that security, guidance, wisdom, and power are coming in. He can help grant us the power. He can give us the wisdom. And as we strive to understand his will, he will give us the ability to act on what's right and true. That's the promise. He's not going to leave us weak and helpless. He will help us. We're going to have to exert ourselves. We're going to have, we're going to expect to work. You know, this is one of my favorite quotes about prayer from Corey Ten Boom. She says, we never know how God will answer our prayers, but we can expect that he'll get us involved in his plan for the answer. If we are true intercessors, we must be ready to take part in God's work on behalf of the people for whom we pray. Prayer is work. Anything worthwhile is work. And in some cases, it's the hardest work we do. You know, the Bible and other sacred texts talk about the struggle with God, wrestling with God, um, and trying to to work things out and figure out why he's asking us to do certain things and how that could possibly be the right idea. I did a podcast recently on facing my fears and talked about my own wrestle with God recently and trying to figure out why he would ask me to do something that it was so contrary to what I was used to, not contrary to his principles because I'm still putting my family first, not contrary to any true law, just contrary to my past experience and definitely outside of my comfort zone and pushing me forward. So he's going to ask us to do things that aren't our favorite. He's going to ask us to expand our capacity. A lot of people, I hear a lot of people limit themselves. We are so self-limiting. We tell ourselves all the time what we can and cannot do. And I just think, how do we know? We don't really know what we can and cannot do. God knows us way better than we know ourselves. He's the one that knows if we can do it or we can't do it. We can draw strength from him. As soon as we know his will, we can trust that he'll help us accomplish it. We just have to get ourselves in line with that. And so this this fourth purpose of prayer is to secure for ourselves and others blessings he's willing to grant, but are conditional upon our asking. So when we've done the work of knowing our worth and and getting in touch with him and feeling his love for us and learning his will and asking for the power to do his will, we also can ask for blessings we really believe we need. Sometimes these are to, to comply with his will and sometimes these are other things that are just really meaningful to us. And if it's not contrary to his will, then he's willing to grant those blessings, but we have to ask for them. Because agency is the greatest gift he's given us. We're here to learn to bring our bodies in compliance with our spirits. We're here to be his disciples and, to, and as such to gain discipline over ourselves, to live in harmony with his laws, even if they don't seem to comply with our own passions and desires. And we have to trust that the greatest joys and the greatest fulfillments await those who are willing to take this path. It's not for the (laughs) faint-hearted. It's work. And we must be ready to put in the work 
to secure those blessings for ourselves. Don't ask God for things that are not worthy of you. They need to be worthy of your time, worthy of your effort. You are a noble child of God. You are, you have infinite worth. And what you choose to spend your few precious moments on earth doing must be worthy. So talk with him about all of that. Struggle in prayer with him. Try to get clear about his will and about whether or not he's willing to grant you things that you feel are worthy, valuable goals and dreams. One of the things that's been a real game changer for me the last few years in learning to really kind of just accept myself and be comfortable in my own skin is to recognize that when I'm really striving to be the best that I can be and to be worthy, um, be in line with God's laws and principles is that some of my biggest dreams and deepest desires have really been planted on my heart by God. That it's not me fighting against him, it's him trying to help me along the path and giving me the desire to do the things that he would want me to do. So sometimes it's a struggle to get in line with something he'd have us do, but sometimes the struggle is that we have this dream and he's trying to help us get it. And we keep getting in the way. We keep worrying about how we're gonna look or worrying about what people are gonna think or limiting ourselves in our own capacity and abilities or you know, thinking wrong things, not true things. So those are some um, ideas for you around prayer in terms of those four purposes for prayer. The last thing in terms of, of prayer and the purposes of prayer is I, I want to just touch on this is from Luke. This is in the New Testament. Jesus tells this parable that really applies to prayer and having our prayers answered. Jesus says um, he spoke a parable to this end that men ought to pray, ought to always pray and not to faint. He said there was in a city a judge which didn't fear God nor regarded man. So he was just a really prideful guy who wasn't interested in obeying God. He didn't care what people thought. He was just his own thing. And there was a widow in that city, and she came to, to him saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. He shall not God avenge his... Uh, oh, okay, so the rest of that isn't necessarily important. So he's, so he. this little story begins with, this is the way men ought to pray, and it ends with, Hear what the unjust just judge saith. And the point of that little parable is to say, Weary God, when you know that what you want is worthy... When you know that it's God's will and there's nothing about this thing that you want that's out of line with his laws or principles, it's a very worthy thing to want. Weary him. Show him you mean it. When you show up in one prayer and you ask for a few minutes and then you go about your day, you don't really mean it. Show him through your diligence and patience that you really, really want this blessing because you pray with all of your heart every day, day in and day out. 
because you think about it all day long, because you visualize it, because you try to correct your thoughts in line with it, because you exercise faith around it and you change your belief systems to get in line with it. I will tell you that in my own life, this has happened to me personally and to my husband and to other people that I know, that it took three months. I don't know what's magical about three months, but there seems to be something magical about three months of heart felt persistent prayer. In my case, praying for probably close to half an hour daily for three months to obtain a blessing I desperately needed. In my husband's case, about that long, about three to four months of the same experience brought about life changing experiences. Miracles, literally miracles happened and blessings were granted because we showed that we meant it. I would challenge you then to consider these four purposes of prayer, to get more serious about being diligent in your prayers, to know that God loves you and he wants to grant you many blessings that you desire that are righteous and worthy, that he wants to tell you his will for your life, that he wants to grant you security and guidance and wisdom and power, four things we all want, and it's all in your hands. You're the one that gets to seek him out. You're the one that gets to humble yourself and trust him and work with him and engage in the struggle to know his will and to obey it. Just as I'm winding up here, here's just a few things I want to mention in my own personal prayer that make my personal prayers more effective. When I am alone in a quiet space where I cannot be interrupted and I pray aloud, my prayers go up in quality a hundredfold. When I have next to me a prayer journal and I record the impressions that I get while I'm praying, then I can go back and review those. It, it, my prayers can build on each other and they kind of become like this, this story and I gain clarity over time. And one of the things, for example, in my prayer journal this last year, I went back through it and, and was reading selections and it was fascinating because I could see themes that all through the year there were these recurrent themes over and over and over again that helped me make decisions moving into this year. And one isolated prayer, you know, I didn't necessarily grasp that, but over time I saw what the Lord was trying to communicate because I'd kept that prayer journal. I've done something where I, uh, I call practice listening. I, um, I, learning to hear God is not an easy thing. Don't expect it to come all at once. Don't expect it to be the same all the time. It's up to us to practice it because we really want to hear him. And so I practice that. I will ask questions and listen for yeses and nos. I'll ask the opposite of that question to try to see what that feels like. And I've done that on many occasions to try to discern for myself when God's saying yes or no, when he's saying get more information, whatever that might be, it's been very, very, very helpful to me. So expect to put in the practice and to put in the time to know what he's trying to communicate to you, how he's communicating with you individually. And you'll become familiar with that and acquainted with that. And when you're in doubt, ask for clarity. You can say, is this what you're saying? Could you give me something that I can recognize. And we don't want to ask for signs just for signs sake to build up our faith, but you can definitely say, you know, if, if 
if these certain things happen, then I will know that this is what you want me to do. Or if you could make your answer stronger, whatever you need from God, he's often willing to grant. So ask him for clarity. Ask him to know what to pray for. Sometimes if you don't know what to ask for, what to pray for, just say, what would be a good thing for me to pray for right now? And see what thoughts and ideas come to your mind. I have strong impressions that come into my mind, ideas, thoughts, sentences. Um, sometimes I ask questions and I and I feel the, the strength and confidence of the answer. Sometimes I'll start writing and the answers will come through that writing. So there's lots of ways God would love to communicate with you. And, and lots of times the answers don't come when I'm on my knees, when I'm in prayer. Uh, they come at any other time and place through something someone says, through something that I read, through an experience that I have. So you want to have your eyes and ears open throughout your day also for when God might be um, communicating to you those answers that you're seeking. So those are some thoughts that I had around prayer that I wanted to share today. Thank you for listening in. Prayer is your conduit to heaven. It is the way in which you become your very best self. It is critical and foundational to life mission, to being your best you, and to having that divine center that will make everything else possible that's wonderful that you want in your life and will help you build this strong home environment that you so desperately want for your family. Thank you so much for joining me. If you don't have your free audio copy of The Mission Driven Life, please head over to themissiondrivenmom.com and opt in for that audio book. And if you'd like to continue to discuss prayer all throughout this upcoming week, join us in the Mission Driven Mom Mastermind Facebook group, and I'll see you next time.